0: Welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Anne Gordoni here with my friend and Chavruta Yerdena Osband, Our daf of the day, Masechet Eruvin, daf Yud Aleph, page 11. Now, we're going to begin with some terminology and we're going to jump into the some of the cases again, but I just want to pause for a moment and note that I think that we've had a little bit of a fallacy, even with all our discussion of how we need to be paying attention to the you know, the, phys- the descriptions or whatever of the particular cases and the physicality of these real cases um, in our descriptions on in in the actual recordings in the podcast. And I just want to explain this, you know, in a, in a we're coming up on Elul and we'll make it a moment of tshuva here, I hope. Um, I think that sometimes I'm able to get caught up in the halacha, right? Yerdena has said that she's not such a visual learner, and I feel like we maybe have not been sufficiently trying to build the picture of the cases that we're talking about. So I don't know that we will always succeed in doing so. And I don't know that even if we make the attempt, I'm not sure that it always works as a visual, but we're going to try. Um, we're going to try to reform ourselves in this capacity. And we're going to begin today, particularly as you'll see with from our terminology, with in fact, the actual visibility of the of the frame of the a So So that will come up in a moment. Um, first, I just want to say that there's another there's three terms that we have for today. One is Surata Petach, and we'll come to that as the key term. We'll come back to that in a moment. The next is Pitache Shimai This is broken entrances, which means that you have, you know, kind of a a hole in your wall, literally. And it could either be really like a broken hole in a wall, or it could be any kind of like kind of shambles of an end of a broken of a of a division between the the wall and it doesn't have the lintel above it, right? So that one way or another, this is not a formal, uh, you know, entryway, exitway through the wall, and that's called a pizza shimei. Shimei, and then the last one is, I've seen it translated as hinges. I've seen it translated as loops av kata av kata, which is um, again these are the. We're, in the lintel, it's a, it's a manner of connecting different parts of the different pieces that make um, that make the entryway that we're going to talk about momentarily. Now, coming back to Tzurat HaPetach. Tzurat HaPetach literally means the shape or the form of the opening, right? So this is what I would call the formal doorway. Now, this is tricky, right? Because the doorway is really the thing that you, the, the empty air, the space there that you go through. But... To know that the space that you're going through is a doorway, as opposed to just air on the street, you have a frame to your doorway. And that is Surat HaPetach, the frame itself. And there's many different ways that you could have a frame be visible. And anybody who's ever, you know, built a house, designed a house, visited a house, knows that there's so many different entryways that you could have. So a good portion of our DAF today talks about different different ways that you can have a visible defined entryway and what does it take what's the minimum why do we need a visible defined entryway well part of what we're talking about and your i'm going to hand this off to you part of what we're talking about in terms of our visual type of thing here is that when we're trying to make an area that is otherwise uh, not a public domain, but also not a private domain, right? We're in a Carmelite and we're going to say, we're going to turn this into a private domain. Part of the way we do that, right? In establishing an Eruv is to give it some kind of identifiable, visible look that it kind of belongs to the private domain. And that might well come through this form of an entryway.
1: So I think the issue of the Surat petach is you know, when you read about it, it it's talking about like what it, this stuff spends a lot of time on it. And it's really trying to tease out what exactly does it permit? What type of space does it permit? Um, right. What if you have a hut that's mostly openings and windows? Right. Could it be permitted through the Surat HaPetach? Um, and, you know, trying to work that out. Um, what happens if it's for an area that's wider than 10 Amot? Can it work for that? But and then it gets into some, you know, actual discussion about what the Turat HaPetach actually has to look like. Right. Does it have to be strong enough? Uh, Does it have to hold a door? Could it be a straw door? Does it have to have hinges for a door? Do you put a mezuzah on it? Um, And so one distinction that I felt was being drawn out here is, is that, you know, I think when we talk about putting up two lechis and the Korah, what you're basically doing is constructing some sort of um, entryway, right? That sort of basically looks like what a door frame looks like. But what was interesting to me is that when you make the constructed one, right? Like you have that area of the Maboy and now you come and you say, okay, I'm going to place my and my Lachis, and now I'm going to have, you know, what I need in order to allow carrying, right? If it's already a, uh, an already present, uh, surat HaPetach, it almost looks like the requirements are more, right? That's where they get into the discussion of, could you put a real door in there? What type of door? Does it require a mezuzah? Um, and I'm not, I don't know, to me, that was something that was interesting that was on that page. And are we almost saying in a way that if it's a pre-existing structure, right, the pre-existing structure being the Surat HaPetaḥ, we almost require more of it than if it's just in a, a situation where we had to put something up to begin with the and the two lekhis, um, you know, will not have as much requirement for sort of distinguishing it as an actual, actual um, doorway. So I, that to me was like an interesting piece of what was on this top here.
0: I think it is interesting. I think, I think this idea that we've got a more formal, I mean, if I'm, I'm pulling now off of what you're saying, right. Um, the, the, a more formal look to this Tzurat HaPetach versus the thing that isn't a Tzurat HaPetach, but now we're going to give it the, you know, the bare technical requirement of having, you know, a frame, right? And that's your Korah and your Tzurat I feel like in some ways they're, sort of, they're kind of cousins, right? Like they're they're kind of trying to do the same thing, one in a way that is perhaps more obvious in terms of the visibility of the Tzurat petach. And the other, like, a, okay, well, we'll make it here and then you can carry, which is an interesting, like, why don't we require the construction of a Surata ha that looks like a surat ha
1: Right. So, I, I don't know. This is a thing I want to see how it plays out over the next couple dapet. You know, we've gone from this uh, discussion with the Lechni and the Korah of, like, Heker versus Mechitza, and now we have you know, the actual Surat HaPeta and this requirement of, right, of, like you said, like a sort of formality, like, but it really has to be a doorpost. Like, it really has to be a doorway. It can't just be like a fake doorway. It has to really be a doorway. So right. I feel like, you know, Hecker seems like the least amount of what we need, and then you're getting all the way to, like, it has to have hinges. Do you put a mezuzah on it? So there's right. some I continu- like that mezuzah question. Right. So there's some continuum being worked out here. I don't know that it's all formulated in my head of what it is but it's interesting to just see it being worked out that i'm just in the interesting working out piece i don't know that i have a formal conclusion yet on it
0: conveniently the daf had a lot of discussion of this for you to think about it um okay i want to towards the end of our daf here or towards the middle of the end of our daf here um we have a really interesting case and um it's one that I think does specifically require the visual description, but also we have kind of a drama going on. I'm sure Yardini will have something
1: to say about this as well.
0: Azal oh, I, do Ravna-
1: talk- I do want to talk about the end there. <laughs> See? <laughs> you need to just save me the little last line.
0: Okay. Azal Rav Nachman, avad uvda galuta. Now we've talked about the, the house of the resh galuta in previous masachot, in fact, right? So Rav Nachman went and he... Was he did something in the house of the Reish Galuta, right? According to what he said, his hal- the halacha is. Shmate seems to, it's a term that means, I don't know, according to his own opinion, right? But it has the implication of halacha. Amar Le Rav Sheshit, or Shame Rav Gada, whom I don't know, but maybe you're Dana, you do. Um, Rav Sheshit said, and in the hearing of Rav Gada, Zeal, shloof, shadenu, go and remove the that thing, right? Shadenu the the reeds that are there and throw them away. Meaning this seems to be that according to what Rav Nachman did. And what did he do? It seems that he made some kind of for some kind of surat some kind of form of a doorway. And then what happened is that somehow the upper reeds there were not in con- connection with the lower reeds. So exactly what that looks like, I can't quite tell you, but it does seem to be that there is something lacking, and that the way to fix that, apparently, at least according to Rav Shesha's worry, was by getting rid of a piece of it so that it would not look like it was not connected, so instead it should be connected. I mean, if, if it's absent, then the disconnect would not be obvious. Azal Shadinhu, so he did that. So what happens? The authorities of the Resh Galuta, right? The Egeslark's court find Rav Gada and they, you know, they put him in prison, basically. Like, what were you doing messing with that that thing that Rav, that Rav Nachman had done? Right? And it seems to be that they, or the commentary suggests here that it seems to be that they thought that he was acting independently and that he was messing with the authority of Rav Nachman instead of trying to fulfill Rav Sheshet's protection of Rav Nachman. So Rav Shisha went and stood at the door of the prison and he says, Gada, you know, go out and come to me, right? And then what happens? So somehow at this moment, the, the Exarchs people, like the guards, release him and he goes out and he comes to Rav Shisha. So we've got another hal- halakhic piece of Rav Shisha in a moment, but this drama is so interesting in so many ways. Right on the one hand, it seems to be that they're constructing an eruv, and on the other hand, it seems to be there's a machloket about how to construct that eruv. And in the meantime, poor Rav Gada, just for doing what he was told, ends up in prison. Okay, so now Rav Gada's out of jail, and and Rav Sheshet has you know sprung him. I guess whatever with his authority. I don't. I still don't understand where Rav Nachman is. But but we come back to the halacha now. Ashkeche Rav Sheishet l'Rabba Bar Amar so it's like we've moved on, right? The the business of whatever happened above is not part of this story at this time, right? So what happens? Rav Sheshit finds Rabbi Barshmul and says to him, Tadi mar mide "Did Mar did Master, right? Um, did our teacher teach anything about Torah right? The, this form of the doorway? Amar in. yes, he did." Um, he says yes. He did teach it. Tanina, and so he says he. We learned in a breita. Kipa. Kipa means dome, right? It means an archway. It means a dome. The dome of the rock in in modern Hebrew is called kipat hazahav, right? The golden dome. Um, so not that that's necessarily an exi- example of anything, except for that's Kipa means domor. In this case, it's going to be specifically an archway, namely an archway that is, in fact, a tzorah ha-petach. Rabbi Meir mechaev v'chachamim potri. So here we've got our case of the mezuzah. Do you need a mezuzah on this, on this entryway or do you not? Because it's an archway, as opposed to it being a regular, you know, a proper lintel, which is like a flat piece going across the top of your doorway. So then, at the end of the day, Rabbi Meir and the Rabbanan both agree that if the side posts, right, if you're again, maybe it's a lechi that you've set up, but really in this case, it can just be the supports, right, the the vertical supports of the archway. If they are in fact ten tefachim high, then you're going to need a mezuzah. The ten shahim high is really not that high, um, but the idea is that that's the minimum height to be considered a structure, I guess, right? Um, okay, so then Amar Abaye. So Abaye is like a you know a later generation is going to come and explain what's going on. Hakol modim im gavo asara veinbrak So Abaye says Abaye does seem to be, by the way, uh, pretty much of an expert in Aravim, which I don't think I knew until we just see his name everywhere here. Um, so. Everybody agrees that if your if your entire arch there is ten tzvachim high and the supports are less than three tzvachim high, or the supports are three tzvachim high, and the entire arch is less than ten tzvachim high, right? Either of those two cat even though either of those two depictions, um then, then um, it does not require a mezuzah, and asara, the low klum. It doesn't require mezuzah because it's really just fundamentally, it, it's just a shape. It's not really an. It's not really a doorway. It's not. It doesn't get you there. It needs to be either taller in the supports or or higher in the arch. Kiplige. So where's the machloket that we just saw before about Ribbon Meir and Rabbanan? asara. So you've got at least three tzvachim in the supports, and you've got at least ten tzvachim in the distance of the arch. But you don't have a width, a width of arba tzvachim across. But maybe you have room, and this is where it gets to be tricky and why there's a debate, right? You have room to carve out a full four tzvachim across if you would bother to do so. Okay? And then Rabbi Meir Savar, so then he explains, right? Rabbi Meir Savar That Rabbi Meir's position, what we saw before, where Rabbi Meir said, Mechayev right? bin Rabbi Meir said, You need a Mezuzah, and Chachamim said, You do not need, need a Mezuzah. The implication, according to Abaye, is that Rabbi Meir's position is, you know, dig it out, make sure that you have your forts, tzvachim across, and then you need a Mezuzah. Savar ain't Rabbana said, no, you don't have to dig it out. And because you don't have to dig it out, you don't have Fort Sahim And because you don't have Fort tzfakhim, you don't have enough of an opening there for it to be a situation that requires a mezuzah. Okay, now, we have a, one more little bit of the Gemara here, but I first want to just describe here what the pictures I'm looking at. Now, I'm looking at the Koran, Talmud Bavli, um, which on one side has the daf, actually, with with vocalization. And on the other side has both English, but also pictures, which is my point right now, right? So it gives an example of what happens when you have a kippa, when you have a dome, but it's not a dome literally like the dome of the rock, right? It's an arch gateway and a gateway, like the question of whether it needs a mezuzah is a really good question. Of course, very often a real gateway is going to be much larger than these dimensions that we've just been discussing. And then it's not a discussion whether you need a mezuzah, but the question of the form the sheep of the of the arch gateway is very interesting. What does it mean to be able to carve out some more space? So the two pictures I'm looking at are as follows. One is a picture of the where the caption says it cannot be hollowed out. I'm going to try to describe it for you in the visual of it. Right? Basically there's the two sides that are the bottom supports of this arch and then the arch, you know, goes up into the sky. With nothing around it, it's just an arch up into the sky, and its feet connect to each, you know, respective sides of the wall. So there's nothing to carve out because that's all it is, right? All it is is just that one line of the arch up into the sky. But if you have, I think of the aqueducts this way, right? Where there's in fact a a large wall, and carved out of the wall is a hole that is capped by an arch, right? So that you have The entirety of that wall to carve out further if you wanted to right then that is the case that this machlokin is about if only the dimensions were small enough to really be an issue of fourth obviously if you're thinking about like an aqueduct or a gate to the old city of jerusalem or something like that these are wide large dimensions and then you know they're obviously big enough um, okay, and then just at the very end here, right before we come to the new Mishnah, hello everybody, it's a new Mishnah, but right before that it says, Amar Lehi, Rav says to Rav If you find them, If you find them, do not tell them, meaning all these people of the reish, of the house of the Resh Galuta, don't tell them about this Braita about that arch gateway. Because that arch gateway would have been proof against Rav Sheshit's opinion, where he had gone and told G- Rav Gadot to take it down against Rav Nachman. Right? And all of it ends up being like a, a rebuke to th- this whole discussion of the arches, ends up being a rebuke to Rav Sheshit that his position is intact long going up against the Brighton.
1: I, I love this bit with Rav Sheshit at the bottom here. Um, so first of all, I just think a couple of observations, this is not really about the case, but more about Rav Sheshed and this whole thing with the Reish Galuta. Um, I, you know, first of all, we see what political power the Reish Galuta had, that they basically could sort of throw him in prison. But I also think it says something about Rav Sheshed, you know, to be so entrenched, uh, in your position, um, you know, that you go ahead and take down what they have basically constructed as an arov. Uh, because you feel so strongly that your opinion is right. Now, yes, obviously, if you felt you did something wrong, then they're really carrying on Shabbat. And that is something, you know, to be concerned about. Um, But I think what you also see here is sort of this struggle that we, I think, have all seen played out in our own lives, you know, where, yes, something sometimes things like a sort of theoretical or intellectual disagreement, but you see people get so entrenched in it, right? So the Rish Galuta is so entrenched in the sense that they put, Rav Sheshit in prison, and Rav Sheshit gets so entrenched that here at the end, what does he say to Rabbi Barshmuel? You know, make sure not to tell them about this brisa. You know that actually is basically a proof against my own personal, you know, against my opinion or how I view the halakha. So you do see like a certain entrenchment here uh, that I found to be very interesting. You know, just woven in to the actual explanation of this of this case with the archways. Let
0: me ask you another question, it? Isn't Roshishit blind?
1: Um, yes, he is. So that's also sort of interesting. Like, what is it that he saw? I, I mean, I'm assuming he sort of felt it. Oh, no,
0: I understand that. I didn't mean that. I just mean, like, isn't it possible that his comprehension, I don't know, I don't want to psych him out, but it's interesting to me that it becomes, if we've been talking about the need for the visual, literally the visual of these cases, and if he doesn't have the visual of these cases, I find it interesting to think that perhaps he's functioning in this like halachic zone of opinions of halacha, where the difference between being able to see what you're talking about and not being able to see what you're talking about might actually make a difference for for how you interpret it. Can I be
1: upset that I didn't think of that myself? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's actually a great way to look at it. Like that's inter- now he became blind. He wasn't always blind. Okay, so separates. I guess the question like was this before or after? but we think of him as somebody who was blind. Um, So I think that's a very interesting way to think about it. Right. In other words, like maybe for him, this was sort of all theoretical and almost he wasn't living in the realm of like where it is actually practical.
0: Like, can you dig out around it? But you can't, because it's up in the thin air. Right. I, I, I recognize that this may be like, it might be going too far if he, you know, if he had enough time, even even if he's blind at this moment, but he wasn't blind for so long beforehand that he can actually visualize it. I don't want to diminish his powers of recollection or for that matter, his powers of vis- visualization. I just raise it as a, you know, something to think about.
1: Yes, for sure. All right. I think now we're going to move on to the new Mishnah. Take it away. All right. Mavoy, Shama Yomrim Lachi Omrim, O Lachi, O Rabbi uh, lachayan. So um, here we're really just talking again about sort of the uh, basic way of how do you make a mavoi kosher basically for carrying. So Beit Shammai says it needs both the l'chi, the side post and the Korah and the cross beam and Beit Hillel says no, it's one or the other. It's either a l'chi or a Korah. And Rabbi Elezer says it needs two side posts. Mishum Rabbi Yishmal, Amar Talmid Rabbi Akiva. So the Mishnah goes on to tell us that in the name of Rabbi Yishmael, there was a student who came before Rabbi Akiva, and said the following. So this Machlok is between Beit Shammai and Beit Hillel. Okay. They didn't disagree in a case with the wearers of Mavoy that was less than four Amot. Both would agree, right? It is permitted to carry. If you just put up a side post or you put up a korah. again, Keep this mission in mind when we talked about with the surat HaPetach and this idea of sort of a continuum of different structures that need to be in this Mavoy. Al <speaking in Hebrew> what did they d- disagree about? Al <speaking in Hebrew> This the muvoys that were from four Amot until ten Amot. <speaking in Hebrew> there Beit Shammai felt you needed the Lachi and the Kora. <speaking in Hebrew> you needed a Lachi or a Kora. I'm a Ravi Akiva. Ravi Akiva replies back to this student. al No, they disagreed about both cases. With any mavoi, one that was less than four-amot, than four or even the between four-amot and ten-amot, um, they disagreed, and they, you know, Beit Shammai required a lechi and a and Beit Hillel said um, it could just be, it could be one of, of, of either one. Um, so the only other thing I want to point out here is the gemara, then gets into a discussion um, about their, um, you know, about their reasoning, um, and they say the following here. I'm just skipping down a little bit. Um, so Beit Shammai says, right, we're just saying back his opinion, right? Lechi and kora, right, and so that's to say that Beit holds that the four partitions that are required to sort of um, designate a rishus ha those have to be, a de- that's, that's de'orisa, that you, according to de'orisa, remember, the two original rishus, the rishus and the rishus ha-yachid, that we learn mean ha-torah. The Karmelite is completely rabbinic. So from a re- Torah point of view, de'orisa point of view, right, maybe Beit Shammai believes that you have to have four, it needs to be enclosed on all four sides. Low. So the Gemara says No. Lizrok arba. Right with regarding when we talked about, remember this takes us back to the beginning of Masachat Shabbos. Right, all of those issues about throwing something from a private domain to a public domain from the rishus hayachid to the rishus HaRabim. Once that area is enclosed with three walls, then you're chayev by that deraisa. Right, but b- being able to carry within a rishus hayachid, okay that this the rabbi said this you need to have you need to have four um, in order to be allowed that you can carry, you have to have these four sides to it. Beit o lachi o who said a lachi or a cora, shalosh mechitzot So does Beithiloho that do right you only need three mechitzot in order to designate it as a Rishus hayachid. Well, Lizrok Nish time who de no, you only need two in order for you to be chayav for throwing, right? Whereas opposed to um, uh, which, in fact, in a way, is actually more machmir, right? Whereas opposed to bechama, you actually need three ad But in order to carry, right, you need to have three, and so therefore, what we're saying is, is that this lechi and this kora, okay, are not really full mechitzot, but they're just like markers, right, to make sure that you don't actually carry outside of the Mavoy. And so I think that's also something that's very important uh, to make a distinction on here. So what I thought was interesting about this discussion here is that we know one of the things that I think we talked a lot about with our introduction with Arab is that this really is primarily a masachat of rabbinic law. And then here we see them sort of bring in, though, them discussing about what defines the space, what defines not the era of Mavoy space, but the space of the reshus Hayachid, according to der In other words, what do you have to have in order to make that space an actual reshus Hayachid? So I think this could be a little bit confusing because it's kind of like a blending of two different concepts based on this Mishnah.
0: I think also one piece of it is the question, and we've been discussing this perhaps all episode, although maybe not so directly, is as follows. At a certain point, you have, you know, the space as it came before you got there, right? What's there, what's not there? Does it have a Tzuret Does it not? And in which case, you can then come and do something to your space, meaning put up lechayim, put up the post, put up the Korah, right? And then you can define the space anew, right? And you are actively transforming that into the you know into the again it's not really a yachid but it it has the status of you can carry there right which you have made you have done that as opposed to it just being like well this is what it is right it's a so we can't do anything about it no no depending on the space you can actually come and change it and and that means change it with the vis with the visual
1: Right. So I think that's some of what's being teased out, and I think we're going to see this throughout the Masachat, that's my hunch, um, is exactly what you said. In other words, we have space as it is, right? And that's the whole idea of the Surat HaPetach. And then does that just automatically make something allowed? Or do we add things like the Korah, the Lechi, to transform the space into something that's actually permitted?
0: Exactly okay there we go that's our daft discussion for the day thank you for joining us rank us review us where you get your podcast um thank you to robin michelle farber for hosting us on the Hadron website and to, uh what's the next thing oh yes facebook come talk to us about your understanding of all of these different cases the visualizations of them and have you ever seen an arch that could be carved out on our facebook page until tomorrow go and learn